hope 100% in Jesus. So that's my spiritual reason. Maybe my reason for hesitancy of like, I don't, I kind of hope it's not today. I mean, I got some things to fix here. Maybe my reason is like, I know, I know the gospel. I've done all that. I've prayed that prayer in my house, but my house isn't really in order. Like, I've asked Jesus to be my savior, but maybe I don't want him to come today. I liken it to when I was a kid and there were certain things that needed to be done at home before mom and dad got home. Like, the dishes needed to be done. My bed needed to be made. There might have been some laundry that needed to be put away. And sometimes that was happening as the garage door was coming up. You know, I was rushing to get that stuff all put in order and put away before they came home. I sometimes wonder if we treat our relationship with Jesus that way. Like, I, I, I feel like my eternity is secure, but I haven't exactly been living my life the way I should. So maybe my spiritual reason for not having that maybe today, Lord, attitude is that my house isn't in order. I know the truth. I've prayed the prayer. I've done all that. But the life I'm living makes me a little nervous that if Jesus came back today, or if he called me home today, like, I feel like there's a lot of explaining I would have to do. Well, let me share some good news. The life you're living is never going to be good enough. And that's why Jesus did what he did. That doesn't give us license to go and keep the house out of order, but it is comforting to know that there is grace. But I would rather have the dishes done and the laundry folded. So maybe your spiritual reason for not knowing if you're ready is something that you've left undone. And and that's another thing. There's a biblical principle about keeping short accounts. And that's not to be taken lightly. See, I wonder if sometimes we're not so ready because there's something we've left undone in a relationship. Maybe it's still messy. Something that was said, some damage that was done that needs to be forgiven or forgiveness needs to be sought. I found some quick little principles about keeping short accounts. I'm just going to run through these real quick. These might be worth writing down. I, don't, I didn't get a time to put anything on the screen, but the first one is confess your sins. That's pretty obvious. Confess your sins. Admit it. Own it. Don't act like it didn't happen. If you have sinned, if you have sinned against somebody, don't hide it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Confess it. Own that. And the second one is to confess your sins particularly. Don't just say, you know, I've sinned. Be particular about it. If we're going to be serious about what needs to be forgiven, we need to be serious about naming what we've done. And this is confession. Maybe it's confession to God. Maybe it's confession to the person whom you've sinned against. Maybe it's both. But confess your sins particularly. And confess your sins quickly. That's the third one. See, the more time we let pass, the harder it is to admit that we've done anything wrong. 
and the easier it is to then start to justify our actions or to make it out like, you know what? It wasn't really that big of a deal. Let's just forget it ever happened. But there might be somebody waiting to hear from you that has not forget, forgotten that that ever happened. So confess them particularly quickly and confess your sins continually. Again, don't just let them pile up, you know, once a year, like come in and unload everything because you're not going to remember. You're not going to remember what you've done. Confess them continually. Take that to God. He promises to forgive our sin. And if we're believers in Jesus, we have an obligation to forgive one another. Confess your sins continually. Don't let them pile up. The more often we confess, I think the more aware we are that we have sinned. And the more aware I am of something that's not right in my life, the more likely I'm going to deal, deal with that and do something about it. The other two parts of this are the other side of it. Forgive. Forgive others indiscriminately. Forgive others indiscriminately. That's what Jesus did for us. We didn't get to pick and choose which things we, we do and don't have to forgive. Do it without discrimination. And like confessing continually, also forgive others continually. If someone has sinned against you, there's a good chance they'll do it again. Forgive and then forgive again. Like I said, this goes with confessing our sin to God and also to those that maybe have, we've hurt. Keep short accounts. Jesus said, or sorry, James said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. I truly believe that a big thing that keeps us from being ready, from having that maybe today mindset is that we're carrying around a big old suitcase filled with unconfessed sins and wrongs that we're having a hard time letting go of. And that sense of knowing that there's something left undone makes it hard to live ready. And I think the other thing that falls into that category of spiritual reasons is like that question of how do I want to be found? Like, what if Jesus were to return today? Am I, am I living the life that he called me to live? Are my priorities his priorities? If I'm not, then I have to ask, why not? What needs to change? I prayed the prayer. I, I received him as my Savior. He gave me the faith to believe in him for eternal life. We sing these songs about the amazing things he's done for me. Why would I not live for him? So that's a question I have to ask. Like, why are my priorities not his priorities? What needs to change? The rest of that, those four verses in Matthew 24, Jesus says, you must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when he least expected it. I think sometimes we're like, yeah, I'll start doing stuff for Jesus sometime. I'll, I'll, I'll get my priorities straight sometime. We don't know when he's coming. If you've been saved by grace through faith... The priorities should change. The way I live my life should change. Living the life God called me to live is part of keeping watch. 
So we have all these spiritual reasons, things that we need to work out with God that might be keeping me from living ready. And then I think there are some, I said earlier, kind of fall into almost a more of a, a selfish or a self-focused category. And they don't feel selfish, and I, and I don't mean to make anybody feel bad for these things, because I have a, a, most of these reasons. <laughs> they, they came from my own, my own example of my life. But they're the kind of reasons that suggest that I have, an understand, I, I have an understanding of what is good and amazing and all the special things that God gives us here, but I don't really fully have an understanding of what heaven's going to be like. So I'm not ready to go because there's still so much good stuff here. Like, I have a brand new granddaughter. I want to watch her grow up. I have things that I need to teach her. And I'm sure hopeful that she's not my only grandchild. I've got a lot to look forward to. So do I really want Jesus to come back now? I mean, that's kind of how we think sometimes. I mean, you have your thing too. Maybe you want to see a kid graduate or, or get married, or maybe you're excited about your own future and getting married and having kids, or maybe you're building a dream house, or you just got a dream job, or you have a dream vacation planned. We have a lot of dreams, and there's nothing wrong with having dreams. God blessed us with so many cool things here on earth, so many reasons to get up every morning, so much to look forward to. And so what's hard is that in those great moments, it's really hard to imagine anything better than this. I mean, in the past month, two pretty cool things have happened in my family. Noah, my youngest son, got his master's degree in accounting just a year after finishing his bachelor's. And, you know, a year after we couldn't have in-person graduations, we got to go to a graduation ceremony, got to see him walk across the stage and get his diploma, have his name called. Like, that is the culmination of a lot of hard work. That was a neat dad moment. That's my boy. Look what he did. And then, I think there are some pictures that are about to end up on the screen. Ah, and then, a couple weeks later, Lainey Grace enters our world. The other night, I got to hold my granddaughter and feed her a bottle. She was pretty cool with that. I think she likes grandpa. Because <laughs> then we snuggled for a while. I, you know, her little head was on my chest. And, and I, we could have done that a long time. I mean, it's hard to imagine anything better than that in a moment like that. God willing, later this summer, Noah and I will continue something we've started years ago. We are on a quest to try to hit every major league ballpark. We're going to check another one off the list here in July. That's going to be four days of travel, just my son and me. That's special stuff. All right, you better put those away or else nobody's going to listen to me. So, <laughs> so there are all these experiences we have or we want to have. And they are some of the best that this world has to offer. So we, won't, we don't want to go too soon. And I totally get that. But I also wonder if it has anything to do with how little we know about what the other side is going to be like. We haven't gotten there yet in Pastor Dave's study, but we're going to get to Revelation 21. Here's a pretty amazing description of what awaits us, John does. It talks about a place where God's home will now be among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. It speaks of this amazing place where the walls are made of jasper and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. The foundation stones of the city wall are laid with precious stones like jasper and sapphire and emerald and onyx and topaz and on and on and on. 
it's a place, I had forgotten it said this. This is so cool to me. It's a place where there's no need for sun or moon. Why? Because the glory of the Lord illuminates that place. I mean, imagine that. No need for sun or moon because God's glory is so great that that's all the light we're going to need. It's where nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dishonesty. Now, when I hear that, and I think about this past year and all the junk that we faced, the COVID, the racial tension, the election ugliness, the, the fact that we were wearing masks and treating each other like we were lepers, the, the cruel ways that we treat each other on social media. When I hear about a place like heaven, when I hear about the new Jerusalem described in Revelation 21, and I put that up against the ugly of our world, now I'm saying, maybe today, Lord, maybe today, what I don't want to try to do today, I don't want to guilt anybody into saying, well, I guess he's right. I guess I should want to go to heaven right now. That's not my point. I mean, not only is that okay, but I believe it's good and right to dream big dreams, to make big plans, and have exciting things to look forward to. And I hope along with that, I want to, uh, I want to meet more grandkids. I want... You know, if, if maybe your dream is I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to travel to cool places. I hope there are also dreams, though, of like, I want to take big risks in the name of Jesus. I want to give to ministries that make Jesus known around the world. I want to sign up for a missions trip. I want to serve at the city mission. I want to be at that ladies' retreat. I want to go to the Christian Cross Festival. I want to send more kids to camp. I want to be at the merit retreat. I hope that that's part of the, the dream life that you're living while you're getting yourself ready for Jesus to return or for him to call you home. I'm, I promise you, I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do with our Spanish radio station. It turned on last week, and we're already hearing some reports from people that have found it. Like, that is so cool. That is so exciting to be part of that mission. I think we can live ready even if we're not really hoping it's today. But what if it is? What if it is? Because we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose. Like I said, yesterday I spoke at a memorial for a 44-year-old. Cancer took him. I promise you, he didn't choose that. A man that I know pretty well, he got a phone call this week. It's that call that we all fear as parents. His 40-year-old son was found dead. They'll bury his body tomorrow. He didn't choose that. So whether it's something like that, something awful like that, or it's God deciding now is the time that trumpet's going to sound, what we sang about there, and it is well with my soul. Jesus is returning, and Matthew 24 begins to play out. And two men are working together, and one is taken, one is left. Two women are grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. The question that we each have to answer is, am I ready? Am I living ready? Do I know that I know that I know that if today is the day, I'm going to get to experience a place that is described in Revelation 21? I promise you, you don't want the alternative. And I promise as much as I have to look forward to right now here on earth, the grandkids and all that, someday my name's going to get called. Someday your name's going to get called. And whether it's Jesus coming first or him taking me home, 
this life on this earth ends for all of us. So we need to be ready. And I need to be ready. I need to be ready today. How will we, you be found when he calls? I hope you're ready. Can you play that video one more time?